and welcome to Stargirl Podcast. This is our first actual episode discussing, well, an episode of Stargirl. And we are going to be talking about the pilot, which at this point you have all watched. So for the first time, I can say there are going to be spoilers in this. So I'm Lissy and I'm here with... This is Angie and I'm super excited to talk about spoilers. Imagine that it's only been over a year. <laughs> yeah, as we keep repeating. Yes. We're just unspeakably aged at this point, but it was kind of worth it for this episode. Let's start talking about it. It really, really was. And uh, we, we did a general preview, so we don't even have to go into general impressions because you already know we love this. So we can go straight into, let's start with the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we we sort of touched on this before when we were talking that it was sort of a bold choice to begin at Christmas 10 years ago. Right, because firstly, in the comics, when you had the original JSA squad, we were talking like the 1940s. So I remember we were speculating probably a year ago when we first started, like what they were going to do with those like generations and how much of a flashback like how many flashbacks we could potentially get so it is interesting that right off the bat we know that this happened 10 years ago so we're not talking about like wildcat going through all of these like different lives right away it was 10 years ago when we saw all of this go down yeah and then and we saw so much of it go down it feels like I mean, we already knew this show was sort of going to be like an introduction to the JSA. But like, were you surprised that it started there? I was like, wait, what am I watching? So <laughs> I was so surprised to see so many dead bodies right away. What? Weren't you? I was like, oh, right. We're going All your heroes right are dead. dead. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of like, how are you going to be so positive as far as like, tonally in the show when you're starting off with just the decimation of the JSA. <laughs> yeah, and, and that brings up the sort of the balance that the show has to keep for the rest of its run. Like, how do you balance what you know happened 10, 10 years ago and what Pat knows happened 10 years ago? He was there mm-hmm. with the now. Yeah, and we talked about like, Still, this show, the use of color is so, like, bright and happy looking. So even though there were all of these major deaths and characters right away, it still established this, like, happy brightness. And it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. It worked for me, too. Even when they were dying, the scene didn't feel dark. Right. Which is, like, that's got to be difficult to get that balance right. And I think they pulled it off pretty well. Right. And, and I mean, it's just in general, I think we can agree the JSA is something. Every time you put more than two or three superheroes together, it tends to get a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so you sort of have to lean into it. Like you have to lean into the fact that this whole thing, like a team of superheroes, it's kind of weird um, for it to make sense. And I sort of felt there was a, that level of the show understanding that it was all a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, and we even got that, like, touch of humor right away with Starman being like, oh, there needs to be a successor (laughs) to me, but not you. (laughs) Yeah, like, obviously I wasn't talking about you. 
Um, <laughs> and that's interesting because, I mean, even though they set it up, there is so much more that we don't know about Pat's relationship with Starman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume there's these are the kind of things we will learn as the show progresses, but it also feels like the kind of things they're probably not going to be able to tell us in one season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you get, um, going back to the Christmas setting, did you get a bit of nostalgia just, like, thinking about what the world was like 10 years ago? Just, like... <laughs> Also from right. like a pandemic perspective, I was like, oh, it's 10 years ago and like Courtney's a kid and it's Christmas. But then like her dad's a bum. Yeah, but it's Christmas and we can see people and hug people. Remember those days? Oh my gosh. That would be the greatest gift right now is just like being able to hug someone. Right. <laughs> um, and, and since we, we keep going back to the setting of Christmas 10 years ago, I think the big discussion point of the episode is actually um, the whole thing. And we haven't even gone into uh, the staff and Courtney and all of that. But the whole Mm -hmm. thing in the episode is she thinks she's Starman's daughter. Mm -hmm. But is she really? Because they they never gave us an answer. They never even like appeared to give us an answer she had a clear answer and pat had a clear no right yes so okay maybe we should warn people um right off the bat right now that if you haven't read the comics or anything perhaps skip forward a couple of minutes because let's get into what is truth lizzie okay (laughs) let's let's do it (laughs) we know in the comics that Courtney's biological dad is actually just a regular Joe Schmo bum, right. terrible dude, right? Like, they kind of try to make up for it later where he comes to, like, visit her and stuff, but there's no way she's actual Starman's daughter. And how pissed would you be if they're like, JK, she actually is Starman's daughter? Because that makes me feel like there's a whole raise a Palpatine moment happening if they try mm-hmm. to do that. And I am really against that because she is Stargirl in her own right. And I think she already begins to prove that in this episode. What do you think, Lizzie? I mean, I think that I was like, I really hope the whole thing is just that um, she was this person with this power and she needed to believe it was coming from somewhere. She needed to believe it was about her dad. Like legitimately, if at the end of the season, they're like, ha ha, she really was. I'm going to be so mad. Um, <laughs> not just because they're contradicting comic canon. I honestly, for people who've read the comics as much as we had to in the in this year, and for, for someone that I've, we both sort of have a background in, in comics and dental, I don't care about the comics that much. Like, if you want to change them and they make sense, I'm fine. But not here. Right. Not if it's going to negate the empowerment of a character, particularly a young woman. Like, no, don't do that. That's a very bad storytelling decision. And it's bad for, like, just the timing of where we are in our our culture now. Maybe something like that would have, like, flown a little bit more easily. 
like 10 years ago when this show all began, but certainly not now. And I think that's why there was such a backlash going back to Star Wars with, you know, the writers deciding to tie Ray back into a bloodline, which honestly, I could do a whole podcast episode about that. So yeah, me too. So, so, someone needs to, needs to invite us to a podcast about that. Yes. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, I don't believe Starman is in canon in the show, her dad. I think that's just what she wants to believe. But the fact that the show never gives you a definite answer. I mean, mm-hmm. Pat tries to give a definite answer. Pat's like, no. But even Pat's no, it's tinged a little by the fact that he could have not known. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I feel like they're not really giving a definite answer. Um, and if she's not, which is what I hope, this is probably something that'll come up in the season finale or something. Something to tie back to her having the power and not having a power be something that came from this dude that was her dad or wasn't. And even if he were, um, I mean, he'd still be a shitty dad. Just mm-hmm. because he was a superhero would not automatically make him a good dad, Courtney. Right, because he was still gone. It makes it even worse because you had a staff to fly you around. Where were right? you? <laughs> Why didn't you come? Um, and, and that sort of, I think we can segue from that to Courtney in general as a teenager because despite the fact that I really enjoyed Rex, performance in this episode there was about 50% of the episode where I wanted to strangle Courtney I was like (laughs) why are you being such a teenager oh my god I know she is such a teen uh just taking matters into her own hands and not really thinking things through I mean it was believable though wasn't it didn't you believe that like whatever writer was working on that character was like yeah I have experience either as a teenage girl or like being around teenage girls like I get this I understand this yeah it also feels like whoever there were a couple of people who probably had a stepdad because Mm -hmm. those scenes with Pat at the beginning look she was getting on my last nerve but that is probably like I don't have a stepdad I don't but like it, it feels very real to the situation of having someone else come into your life. And when you're older, um, mm-hmm. like she's now five and Pat is coming into her life like a kid, as a kid. Um, she's a teenager now. It's not the same as, oh, you're going to be my new dad. It's, no, you're a person that I just have to put up with because my mom decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote down a lot because I took notes while I was watching the episode. And one thing that I wrote repeatedly was, Pat is so precious. He is? You just kept writing that over and over. And I think it's because I'm older. Like, were I a teenager, I would probably be annoyed at how hard Pat is trying. But as a 30-something, I just think he's so adorable. Like, the detail of him still having paper files... In his little chest, I just, my heart was singing. I was like, that is the cutest little character detail. He still has all of these things in paper form. Like, he hasn't bothered to convert anything to digital, despite the fact that he has, like, a giant robot and could clearly manipulate technology. Like, the nostalgia of him, like, having all these papers and pictures, it was just so cute. It made me so happy. I love him. (laughs) Like, in general, I mean, not just, 
love him with um, her, but love him as a character. I sort of really like um, him with, um, like, I thought it was just going to be the family feels that Courtney and Pat were going to give me. I didn't expect to feel that for, like, the whole of the family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to be like, but I just want more of Courtney and her new brother and just like, and the two of them as like a couple, like adjusting to living with the kids, both of them. And it, it's, I, I'm, I'm way more invested in that than I thought I was going to be. Yeah, I'm really invested in uh, all of the family members, really, like even the mom with we saw her struggle from like being a waitress with young Courtney and now she's literally working at the American dream, like such an inspiring journey already. And it's episode one. Yeah. And then I I really like that in many ways, they're not tying her journey, like her part of the journey that's inspiring to Pat. It's not mm-hmm. that her life got better when she met Pat. Like, they, they're moving because of her job. Mm-hmm. Like, she got a job, and Pat's like, okay, let, at the end, <laughs> because it's, this is TV, it all works out that they end up where they have to be. But, yeah. but I, I like that they sort of made it that it wasn't everyone dropping what they wanted for Pat. Yes. And speaking of the move, did you notice that the Action Movers logo looks just like the old school Action Comics logo. I thought that was a nice little Easter egg. They have like a a ton of little Easter eggs. Um, I mean, not just at the beginning, which is just a big Easter egg. Like, it's not, it's not even an Easter egg. (laughs) Yeah, with all the falling heroes. Like, because everyone's supposed to be dead. Another thing we don't know, like, because if we're... the people who are presumed to be dead are part of other shows. How would this even cross over? Is this the future? Uh, no. Are, yeah, I know. What, right? right. <laughs> yeah, because we have to figure out, because we saw them in the crisis crossover right? with friends. So at right. what point, right, like they're going to have to address when the crossover happens for sure. That's going to be a task this season. Right, it's just because the timelines done add up and I mean I know the Arrowverse doesn't usually really add up but they usually at least pretend uh, <laughs> as best as they, they can that they at know least they're trying. I mean I mean it might not be an explanation that we believe but they have to give us one mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that and I assume it will come in this show because uh-huh. all, all the other Arrowverse shows are they had to end their seasons early um mm-hmm. and also do we still call it the arrowverse if arrow is over i guess we do i'm well, not gonna change it then like because the next scene yes right yeah the next senior most show is flash so it'd be the flash first that doesn't really roll off the tongue as much no we're, we're sticking with the arrowverse that's it i guess we're stuck with oliver queen and title alone right I mean, after all they did to sort of save him in that crossover, I and know. then and then didn't save him. But that's a problem <laughs> for other characters. Oh, not Courtney. <laughs> not Courtney, Courtney doesn't have to deal with Oliver Queen, and what a blessed life that she is going to lead because of it. <laughs> right. She she's got her own problems, but they're not Oliver Queen. Um, yeah. and she can 
face her problems to the tune of Mbop, which again, <laughs> it's like my childhood. Um, I am so sad that we couldn't watch like the pilot together for many reasons. Firstly, it'd be great to like, you know, meet you in person and watch like TV in yes. my living room. But secondly, <laughs> just to know your reaction and what that felt like as far as her the introduction to her character in her teenage bedroom with a version of Mbop playing. So not like the actual Hanson version, but it was a cover of it. But when you know Mbop, you know Mbop. And yeah. I freaked out. I was like, this is this. I didn't know I wanted this. I didn't know I needed this. I didn't know that this was going to be a perfect introduction to a high school girl. Well done. I think we both felt it because that was me as like we that was us in high school. We Absolutely. were the teenage yes. So it, it feels like in a way the musical choice was as genius as um that that scene in Captain Marvel where you're like the music sometimes or like Guardians of the Galaxy did mm-hmm. in the beginning. The music just puts you in like the right headspace and this worked perfectly. Like mm-hmm. when when the song finished. I was like, okay, Courtney, I already kind of like you. Yeah. I'm on uh, your side. I'm on your side. Even if she was, like we said before, a Brad most of the episode. Especially to Pat, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to say it's okay, but it's understandable. It's understandable. We can forgive her for that. Um, something that I forgot to talk about or bring up when we were talking about Pat earlier, is this going to be like a Pat episode or something? But I just wanted to bring up how he has a line at some point where he says, um, being a sidekick was an honor. And that really like struck me because yeah, we pay so much attention to heroes in our culture and in like all these different TV shows, the names of the shows are the names of the heroes, but we got to think about these sidekicks too, you know, because they devote just as much of their lives, if not more, for less fame. And there's, I think there's something honorable to that. Right. And and I also think now that you said that, that Pat being a sidekick brings a different, it's a different sort of sidekick that you usually see because he's a father figure. And other than maybe Alfred, with Batman, there isn't really a sidekick. And you, I don't know if you could consider Alfred a real sidekick. He's not out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you could maybe say that Batman was a father figure to the first Robin, but that's flipping it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I can't really think of many sidekicks that would actually be acting as a father figure, which sort of brings up how would he react. I mean, if when Courtney ends up really in danger, mm-hmm. like there are very bad decisions to be made when you're emotionally compromised. It's just that TV usually uses romance um, mm-hmm. to showcase that and they don't have to here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to make this show so interesting is that it's a, it's a bit unprecedented, at least as far as the Arrowverse is concerned, to have that dynamic between a hero and sidekick so yay I just I want to keep watching the season it sucks (laughs) that we can't 
<laughs> right? It's one of those moments where when you really like an episode, you're like, why didn't you give me like all 10 episodes and now we have to wait? I know. <sighs> please. Uh, please. Please. And also, as we were talking about it, um, I just realized that there was, other than Pat and Courtney's mom, there wasn't a setup for a romance for Courtney either, which is typically a pilot thing mm, for that's these very true. kind of shows. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they, they can't bring up a love interest at some point, but they weren't. there was nothing that they were setting up from the beginning. Can we also just take a moment to reflect on how we were saying like if they immediately just put her in a love triangle I'm gonna be so mad and they didn't they didn't make that's probably part of the reason why we love this pilot so much because I think the main romantic relationship like we have um Pat and her mom but we have as far as the kids at school there's Cindy and I wrote down Cindy and her douche boyfriend, because I forgot what his character name was. Do you remember what that, like, who that was, Lizzie? Um, I remember who it was. I don't remember his name. Um, <laughs> but I, I think sort of the everything that happened at school was very well done because it's sort of like she's coming into a new school. Like if she somehow found a love triangle to like step in the middle of in the first episode starting in a new school i'd be like girl wow mm-hmm. you in danger um, girl don't do that Mm-mm. right and like she didn't even find friends not really in the in the pilot though we were introduced to some characters that we know or we mm-hmm. can make an educated guess who they will end up being um, but we didn't even get too much of them. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe during the season they will do an episode for each of them. You think so? Oh, I think that would be great. It'd be similar to what um, Mrs. America on Hulu is doing right now, where each episode, yeah, is tying into this fight for the Equal Rights Amendment, but each episode is also focusing kind of on, like, one character at a time. And it is a really effective means of storytelling. I think that'd be a great way to do it. Right, because we know we're getting these teenagers that are going to be the new JSA. Um, this isn't even spoilers or just like basic spoilers from the promo we've seen. And what we saw in the Arrowverse crossover for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which at this point feels like might be a, a scene from like one of the last few episodes of Stargirl. That's what I would assume. I think they're going to do... It seems like they're doing a lot of work to set up these generations because we saw a slew of heroes and then we also saw a bunch of villains like way up front at the beginning of the episode like we talked about. And then we also see like Cindy, who we know uh, having read comics, is going to be Dragon King's daughter. And we find out at the end of this episode that her nameless douche boyfriend, who actually has a character name, which we will look up and apologize for in the next episode, we know that he's the son of Brainwave, right? That's who he links up to? Am I correct? Yeah. 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 So we have Stargirl as the, like, second generation hero. So I think there are really cool parallels that they're setting up. Yeah, In a way, it feels like, like they're trying to do what Runaways try to do. But in a much more effective way. Sorry, Runaways. You were a little boring at the beginning. Ooh, I never watched Runaways. So I'm just, I'll let you talk to me about it. (laughs) I mean, because 
they were setting up, well, the parents were sort of the bad guys. And then the kids were sort of, oh, my God, our parents are villains. And then they have powers. So they were, there was a thing of two um, generations. The problem with Runaways is that the show is called Runaways. But they, it takes them an entire season to run away. So I was just bored. Oh. I was like, can you just get on with the running away? <laughs> so, like, the show can start. Can um, we turn that noun into a verb, please? <laughs> right. Uh, but um, but I sort of think that that's sort of the point. And it's only been 10 years from the scene we saw at Christmas, but they're already setting up everything to mm-hmm. start over in a way, probably thinking, hey, well, Flash is in its, what, seventh season? Arrow already ended. Supergirl, well, Supergirl, I don't know. I think it's in its sixth season, but... I don't know. These these people playing these characters might want to move on mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. And if we have a new generation, and it is, if it turns out that we really, really like some of the characters they introduce, we could end up having two or three shows from characters we met on Stargirl, and then they could cross over. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really smart... Um insight Lizzie because as we're talking about these generations of characters it could also stem into generations of shows because it's kind of like the MCU at this point right like we had the core heroes and they had their full stories being told and it led to these other spin-offs that are still tied to those heroes kind of but they are allowed to like have their own story and have their own moments yeah I think that's actually a really good piece of criticism there Lizzie and I also think considering um how close this story is to the heart of the person in charge of it all it would make sense um Mm -hmm. if if they were trying to make it the beginning and I think the show if the show continues to be the same thing it was in the pilot I think the show can hold up um as the arrow 2.0 that sort of span other spin-offs mm-hmm. and much lighter show than Oliver Queen ever made. <laughs> yes. It sounds like we really hate Oliver Queen. Um, and I think we both kind of do, but, but we don't hate him as much as it sounds like we promise. Exactly. It's just like you get, it's kind of like that rite of passage, like where at some point you get to make fun of your elders because you're also older. That's kind of just where we are now. Right. And it's sort of like we, we also watch Arrow, like at the beginning, at least I did, I didn't keep up with it for all seasons. And we sort of feel like if we suffered through it, we have a right to complain. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we have gotten this far into talking without talking about the staff. Oh my god, the staff is actually the best thing about the show. <laughs> I so right when I saw the staff, I think I like immediately texted you like the staff. She's so cute. Because it's a she. Like forget about it. The staff's a she. It's def- it just feels right in my soul like right. how i props to whoever the sound person is and the person who does the visual effects because it was a like a chef's kiss it was it's like the perfect 
uh, weapon for her, you know? Like, we think about iconic weapons. You think of, like, how, like, Mjolnir is just so perfect for Thor for that, um, for so long. Uh, We think about Captain America's shield, and, like, we have these really intense associations with a character's, like, main piece of equipment and that hero, and the staff is so perfect for her. It's so perfect. And it complements her so well because there was so much gymnastics going on in her fighting style or like in the way she moves, fighting style, like she was fighting that much. Like in the way she moves and the the way she was like practicing with the staff and whatever, um, you can tell like they gave Courtney that gymnastics background and you could tell there was a lot of that and they, they used it well, I think, with the staff. Because, I mean, after all, you have a staff, you have to find ways of incorporating the staff um, that don't seem dumb. Mm-hmm. It's not like a shield where you just have it and it looks like you look fine with a shield where you're in the middle of a fight. It's a staff and you got to like find ways for the character to move and still use it. Yeah, and even like the staff even like made her get out of bed to train like... The staff has so much personality, like more so than so I think a lot of the other um, weapons that were used to or pieces of equipment that we're used to seeing, at least in the Arrowverse. Right. Like the staff was like, girl, get up, girl, get, like get out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> I have expected the staff to be like, why are you treating Pat like this? Um, <laughs> but like the staff can't talk yet, but like they're yet. Imagine I said yet at this point, who knows? But yeah, the staff clearly knows what it wants. And I understand that sort of ties back to the whether she's Starman's daughter or not. I understand the, that when the staff reacted to her, she wanted to find like some sort of reason for it. And for, of course, it had to be her dad because that's what she's lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that the whole point behind that is for her to find that it's all in her, but also sort of allowed them to tie that into the Pat being the father figure that she deserves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I think there is uh, something to be said about how raw of like a power there is with the staff because she's still struggling to like harness it and control it. And I think it's a great metaphor for how she needs to learn how to like harness her own power and like come into herself as a hero as the season progresses. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, like the staff, uh, Courtney will need to grow. Um, And that's interesting. I, I, now that we mentioned before that maybe they'll do episodes per characters like for example one for wildcat one for dr midnight we're mm-hmm. getting that for the villains as well we only have 10 episodes uh so in some way they're gonna have to bring it all together um, mm-hmm. and i assume we are getting um something like a pad centric episode uh sometime soon um i would say they from the names of the episodes that they release, I would say it's probably the third one or the second one. Wasn't the second one called Stripe? I don't remember. 
I am sure I should have reviewed those episode names before we started recording right now to be a good journalist and podcast host, but I did not do such work. So I I'm think gonna, once again, trust yes. you. The second one is called Stripe. Okay. So uh, it's very exciting to think that so quickly we're probably getting a pad episode, but it makes That's sense. So precious. <laughs> Let's talk about Luke Wilson for a second, because I think we grew up with him as sort of more of a romantic hero. Yeah. And, and then now he's, he's beautiful, the way he's transitioned and where he, like, Pat is, like, a cinnamon roll. And it's like... Yeah. It's like Luke Wilson has, like, reached his final form, in a way. Because <laughs> he started off as that, like, kind of goofy, like, romantic lead, and now he's, like... A goofy dad and it's just a perfect trajectory for him I keep using the word perfect and that may just describe how I feel about this show in general I've realized like if that were a drinking game that we were playing I think we would be like unconscious at this point right and then also um like I'm assuming the second episode called Stripe is about Pat but he wasn't actually called Stripe he was called Stripesy which mm -hmm. is the worst <laughs> sidekick name in the history of sidekick names i am sorry pat i know we've said good things about you but who came up with that I mean, it just immediately like <laughs> turns him into like a baby kind of like adding an ie to any noun makes it sound like it's a baby version of that thing right <laughs> you know like like dog and doggy <laughs> like like we we really need Courtney to make fun of that. Oh, for sure. And we know that she will. There's oh, yeah. No yes. She's going to let that go for a long time. So, Courtney, please do it for us. Yeah. Ooh, you know how we talked about how um, Courtney had some, like, cringy moments? The one that I, like, starred happened towards the end of the pilot, where basically she kind of, like, threatens to out the secret at some point to, like, to Pat so that he would like leave her alone and just like let her do her thing but he was like this isn't about my secret it's about keeping like this family safe and I was like ooh right. yes and it was the perfect like I mean in general the whole thing with superheroes and secrets is always really dumb in a way that sometimes keeping the secret puts the family in even more danger we mm -hmm. watch enough superhero shows to know that um, but yeah, but Courtney was being super flippant about it. Um, like she had any right to be like, this is, you, you just started this journey of whatever, just because the staff liked you, um, uh -huh. doesn't mean you like, you're still not really a full fledged superhero. And I, I know, um, she feels like one, but she's still going to need Pat to help her. Exactly. Like, girl, you just blew up a car. You have no right to be trying to flex on Pat right now. Right. Um, and I'm sure they're going to go through ups and downs. And I'm sure there's going to be a point where Courtney is going to realize how much she actually has come to care for Pat. And we're all going to cry. And it's going to mm. be beautiful. Yeah. But in general, as a pilot, I think this is really effective. It sets up all characters really well, all relationships really well. And I think it left us wanting more. Yeah, it even set up 
Like, we talked a lot about heroes and not a lot about the villains that they set up in this yeah. episode. But even with, like, Sportsmaster being a gym owner, oh, that was so good. He was like, we're going to shred you up, bro. And I was like, if there's going to be a ridiculous Sportsmaster character, I am glad that they are doing this way. I am so happy to see Sportsmaster, which I didn't think I would ever say. <laughs> yes. Like, we are, like... Eating our words right now. Uh, but like, yes, I think in, what might happen is that they might do a few episodes where they're setting up a future member of the Justice Society of America and a future member of the Injustice Society of America sort of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are seeing the next generation of villains as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't think... Um, douchey boyfriend, whatever his name is. I don't think his dad <laughs> is really going the right way to make his son into, like, a good villain. Like, yeah. villain dads need to learn a few lessons. Like, if you don't, your son or daughter doesn't feel included, he's never going to be a villain. Like, you're just going to turn him into a hero. Be careful, okay? <laughs> I know. I know. And I can't wait until, like, <laughs> we've gotten some reveals of the costumes Um, But I just can't wait to see them on screen. I can't wait to see all of these, like, next generation heroes and villains suit up on the show. Like, that's one of my favorite things. I'm just really excited to see what's coming next for all these characters and what they're going to look like and how precious Pat's going to be. When he has, like, not one teenager to to look after, but, like, four, he's going to be like, what? He's going to be like the den mother of all of these little heroes. Oh, I love it. Right. Which in a way he, he already was uh, sort of with the JSA 10 years ago, but he, they weren't like younger than him. It wasn't like he was a father figure and now he is. So it's going to be fun. Um, it, it's going to be really fun, I think. And I think so too. And then again, perfect setup. Um, probably the best pilot in a superhero show I've watched. Ooh, that is a strong statement. But you know what? Off the top of my head, I I can't think of one that I've enjoyed more. Yeah, you that's right for me. Yeah. So, hey, we picked the right show to we do did. a podcast about it. It may have taken us 10 to 20 months to get the show, but it was worth it. It was. Um, and we are going to have so much more to discuss uh, weekly now. You're going to get used to hearing our voices weekly. Imagine Instead that. Instead of monthly, if that, it's going to be weekly. Right. Yes. Um, and I don't think I have anything else to say. What about you? I think I said the words perfect and precious and love enough times in this episode so i think we're good (laughs) i think we're done remember you can visit stargirlpodcast.com for all the latest news about the stargirl show follow us on facebook and twitter as stargirl podcast as well especially now that we have stuff to talk about you can also subscribe to stargirl podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher radio and google play and while you're on apple apple Podcasts. Please hit us up with some five-star reviews, but just five stars. We don't want anything less.
Nope. Don't forget that we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And if you want to represent us with some cool gear, DCTV Podcast does have its own T Public store. So if you're interested in DCTV related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome stuff. It does help support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. And if you have any questions or thoughts, definitely hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Like Lizzie said, we also have an email at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. 